Testing, testing. Everything good? Cool. So, happy New Year's, everybody. Happy New Year's. This year is very different for me because for some reason, I don't know if it was just like I wanted to be cool type of thing or I thought it was cool back then. I would like celebrate my family, but in my heart, like in my mind, I was kind of like, okay, cool. Like another year, like is nothing's changed. I'm the same person. This isn't that. But for some reason, and probably because I'm following God now and like serving the Lord and, and doing what he wants me to do, which is not always easy. He like gave me this like new like happiness for like a new year. Like for some reason this year, I actually got like excited. Like I actually almost like cried. I was just like, thank God it is a new year. This last year was rough for me. It was both exciting and so many good things happened, but so many rough things happened at the same time. So I was just like so done with that year and this new year came and it was just like a reminder that there is new things that come when the old things pass away. That's why even when we were singing, it was like all the old things passed away, but like God's love stays the same. That almost made me tear up because I realized like I am now in God's love. All the pain, all the suffering, the things I went through back then, like they're gone. Like God heals those things. And there might be scars as reminders, but like God can make all things new. And there, there is hope. So as we hit the new year, I don't know where everyone's at. We all have different walks and where we're at in our lives, but know that God does make things new. So as we do hit this new year, like let that sink in into your hearts, into your minds. Okay, so next thing. I want you guys to think about, oh, well, the title, I guess, is All Things New, which as I think about it, it should have been like the process of all things new. But we'll just leave it as it is, all things new. And there's three letters that I want you guys to think of, and it's D-C-C, right? So it's death, change, and commitment. You know, in this last year, there's been a lot of transition in my life, a lot of changing, a lot of learning to die to myself, uh, a lot of shutting my mouth when I want to speak. And God has been faithful to show me, well, Right now he showed me, but in that time, he was taking me through this process of death, change, commitment, death, change, commitment. And it wasn't just one time, it was multiple times, even just throughout this year. And as I look back, it's multiple times throughout my life. And I realize this is something that a lot of us go through in our lives. We just never really had anything to label it. And I'm sure other people have other words for this, but this is the, the process that I kind of put up or God put in my head is death, change, commitment. Now, raise your hands if you guys know who Batman and Superman are. <laughs> okay, so I hope everyone, because if not, it's kind of sad if you don't know who Batman and Superman are. I feel like your childhood is a little bit sad, you know, but, you know, but God can make all things new, so you can still watch it. <laughs> but yeah, so Batman and Superman, right? I think about their lives. Oh, look, there's an awesome picture of them. I think about their lives and what they went through, and even in their own lives, even though it's a cartoon, right? A lot of kids and a lot of people are inspired by these cartoons, right? I've seen basketball players and different people wear, like, shoes that say Batman or, like, Superman, or they have, like, tattoos of Superman. Like, they admire the symbol that they represent, right? And in both of their lives, in the beginning, there's death, right? Uh, Superman loses his whole planet. There's death, and because of that death, there comes change. He might have just been a normal, like, Kryptonian man in his planet. But because of that death, because of that planet being destroyed, he was sent. There was change somewhere else. 
Same thing with Batman. He would have probably maybe been like a, a spoiled rich kid, but his parents died. And because of that, there was change. And in that change, there, there was suffering, right? There was suffering, and they were trying to figure out, Superman was trying to figure out who he was. He's like, I don't fit in in this earth. I'm different. Batman was like, I lost everything that I love. I'm, I'm mourning. I'm, I feel dead inside. All these changes happening so quick, but there comes a point where in that change, they, they make a decision, right? I'm not going to be the victim. I'm not going to just let myself die here in this, in this pity party. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to do something. I'm going to commit myself to something greater so that this will not happen again. So then Batman and Superman, they both commit themselves. And I think that's what really makes them a superhero. Like we think it's the superpowers and the money and the gadgets, all these things. No, it's, it's that they have this supernatural commitment to doing what is right. And we love that. In our hearts, we love that. There's so much evil, so much corruption. We need that hope. And some people find that hope in, in fake characters, which is kind of sad because as you grow up, you realize this is not real. But even then, they, that person, uh, I forgot his name, but the person who wrote these comic books, he understood that. He, he saw that there was death, there was change, there was commitment, supernatural commitment. And it caused other people to be inspired, right? When Superman, it wasn't because Superman did one good thing. It was because he constantly was committed to doing good things. Batman was constantly committed to helping people, to bringing justice. And that's why they love him so much. But they're fake. So as you grow older, you lose hope, right? Because you're like, everything I thought was real was fake. Actually, I was going to say something else, but I don't want to say it online. But just about, like, certain characters, like pertaining to Christmas, but I don't know where everyone's at with their kids. So we'll move on from that subject, <laughs> and we will continue with the first uh, letter, which is D, right? So if you, if you can't remember DCC, just think of this, like DC Comics, right? Superman, Batman, they are DC Comics, so it's DCC. That way, when you go home, you remember, like, DC Comics, DCC. Okay, okay. this is what we learned about today, because I know I'm dumb, and I forget stuff, like, instantly. And I'm like, that was such a good sermon. They're like, what did he say? I'm like, God was good. Like, you know, like I, I don't remember sometimes what the pastors say. And I'm like, dang it. I study the Bible and I still sometimes just like things go in one ear and one out, like out the other. So <laughs> first letter of DCC, death, right? Which sucks because it's New Year's and you're like, no, Sebastian, be happy. And I'm like, yes, I will. But first we have to start out with the truth. And the truth is that death exists, right? Death exists, and we know that its power is great. As much as I would like to believe that death doesn't affect us, that we're super Christians, and that we've moved on from that, it's not true, right? We are humans, and death hurts. Do you guys know where death comes from? Do you, do you, there's a scripture that says very specifically where death comes from. It's, yeah, sin, but then before sin, there's also another thing that leads to sin. Temptations, clothes. Anybody? You guys can say it out loud. You can participate. It's fine. Desire, yes. So, in James 1, 14 through 15, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. 
When it is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Right? So we see that... Sorry. We see that sin is the ultimate problem, but it comes, it stems from our desires. And not just our desires, but the desires of others. We live in a world full of people who desire things that sometimes are out of their reach or sometimes are not correct because they believe that those desires will bring them some type of fulfillment, but it doesn't. Instead, it destroys everyone and everything around them. Right, and, and as I re- think about this year and even I think about my life, you know, I think about the different people whose desires have interrupted my life and, and hurt me just because I was there, not because it was directed towards me, but just because I was in that place. And the first one that I can remember that really messed me up was, was my mom and my dad when I was a little kid. I think I was about 10 years old. And I realized that my dad had certain desires that were not correct and maybe he felt that he was not, I don't, know, I don't know why he did it. He knows his own understanding, and I don't hate him. I love my dad. I call him all the time. I love my dad to death. This is not to bash him. This is just to show that his desires at the moment were contrary to the health of our family. And he had these desires, these, these increasing desires, and I'm sure they started as, ki- as a kid. And he grew them and grew them and grew them until the point where it brought death to our family. Now, now I'm hurt, right? Now I'm confused. Our family is broken. There is death in the family. Not that someone actually died, but our family no longer existed at that point. My dad went his way. My mom went her way. And I went with my mother because my, she had my sister. I probably would have chosen my dad. If, if it was only me, just because I'm a guy, I'm like, I'm going to stick with the guys. You know, like, that's what I wanted to do. Like, there's times I'd be frustrated. I'm like, Dad, how dare you leave me in the house of girls? Like, I, they don't understand me. Like, you left me. And my dad's like, no, I can see you on weekends and this and that, which is true. You know, but I wanted my dad every day. I needed help every day. And what he didn't realize is that with that destruction came problems in my own mind, in my own heart. Right? I didn't realize it until I got older, but I'm like, when my dad left, I no longer felt strong. I no longer felt safe. I felt very insecure. I love my mom to death, but she could not make me feel strong. I was deathly afraid of the dark. Like, whenever I had to go take out the trash, it was like a whole mission for me. Like, I had to prepare myself to run out and take this trash. Like, I was really, like, jumping. I'm like, adrenaline, let's go. Like, let's get it. And I'm like, I unlocked the door, and I'm like, no one's going to close the door on me. I'm like, okay. And I just, like, open it, run out. Sometimes I won't even open the trash. I just throw the trash and I come back. I'm like, I'll get it in the morning, you know, like when there's light. And I walk in like, you know, just look at my mom like, I'm good. You know, like I threw the trash. We're good. Uh, One time I got spanked because I threw it and it ripped open. My mom's like, ah, what'd you do? And I'm like, like, I'm a wuss. Like I'm scared. Like it's dark outside. What if someone gets me? Like, I don't know. Like I lost strength. And so like that took a big toll on me because in that loss of strength and that loss of security, I became very insecure. And so I started creating this persona, this persona of like, of being angry, of being tough, of, of like, you know, like I was seeing these movies of these guys, like even like gangsters and, and they're always tough. Like they're not afraid of nothing. Like, you know, like they have a group, they have a gang. Like I felt so drawn to that. 
And I didn't realize it stemmed from that loss, from that death within my family. There was consequences in that death. It crippled me. And that happens in, in so many different ways. Like I know that there's people who physically lose their loved ones and there are consequences for that. And not because they did anything. It's just because that's the power of death. It cripples you. It makes you afraid. It makes you do things that you normally wouldn't do. It makes you think things that you normally wouldn't think. And it's sad. But it doesn't end there, right? We know that, that in the death now, that we have a Savior, that there is hope. Not Superman, not Batman. We know that we have Jesus. We know that he has overcome that death, right? We know that he can help us. But even then, there's a lot of things that I know. But to put it in action is a whole other story, right? When I feel like someone has taken someone, something from me, I feel like they've killed something in my life. And when I feel that, that, that someone did me wrong and it, and it destroyed something that was precious to me, what, what do you think my reaction is? What's your guys' reaction? Someone hurt someone really close to you. Anger. I, I would honestly say probably, depending on what happened, murderous type of anger. If I can be 100% honest with you guys, a murderous type of anger. The type of anger that will push me to borderline insanity. Now, I don't know what each of you guys have gone through, but that's for me personally. I struggle with death. The power of death is beyond the physical. There is emotional. There's trauma. There's things that take time to heal. But if we only live in death, then all we will ever know is death. And that's what I'm trying to talk about here. I'm not trying to just end on death. There's still two more letters. So don't, don't feel somber. Don't go down. But I'm just trying to make you guys understand the power of death. I didn't, I'm not even going to lie to you until like these past three days, I did not understand the power of death, the grip that death had over my life, even now. The grip that death has over the life of even the strongest people, the people you think that are the strongest, that have no fear and no emotions, it's a lie. These gangsters that I once held up as amazing, strong men that I wanted to be a part of, I look and I'm like, they're not. They are not. They will hate that I'm saying this, but they're not. This is the type of stuff that might even get me beat up. If I said it to their face, it will trigger something inside of them because they've tried so hard to show this strength, and they're not. Why? They carry guns. They do this. They're afraid of death every day. That's why they're always hanging around in groups of people. That's why they always have weapons on them. That's why they're always trying to figure out a plan, run from the police. They're so afraid. Their whole life is fear. They're afraid of death. They're afraid of incarceration, which is death to their life. They're afraid of getting killed, which is physical death to their life, they're afraid. And the only way they can solve it without God is to act tough. To act strong. To want to fight anyone who questions them because if they can beat up someone in front of them, it gives them a sense of power. It gives them a sense of no one can mess with me. No, I don't want you to like me. I'd rather you fear me because it helps with my fear. 
the grip of death. Jeez, man. I've, had I known this when I was younger, had someone explained this to me, maybe I would have made better decisions. Maybe I would have looked for God earlier. I don't know, but I can't change the past. Nor, nor do I want to. Because God allowed things in the past to happen to bring me to where I'm at now. And if some of those bad things didn't happen, I probably wouldn't commit myself to God because I would think that everything's all right. And everything is not all right. As desires in America grow, I, I don't know if you guys, I mean, I'm sure you guys are all aware, everything that everyone does here is all about desire. They're like, hey, right, wrong and right? No, don't worry about that. It's whatever you feel. It's whatever you desire it to be. Hey, hey, oh, sex before marriage, this, this, and that? Oh, it's, it's about how you feel. Oh, hey, like pornography, lust, all these things? No, no, it's about how you feel. Forget about what other people think. No, these things are destructive. Sin, over time, it becomes destructive. And it sucks because, honestly, I know this, and I'm sure all of us know this, but it's different when it's in word and in action, right? But what separates us from a non-believer in this death is what I said before, we have Jesus. Not just that, but we can ask God for the power of the Holy Spirit to help us, to move us forward. You don't have to do it on your own, nor will you do it overnight. Don't think that you're going to get strong overnight. One of my New Year's resolutions that I'm helping someone keep me accountable is going to the gym I don't expect to go to the gym one day and come out buff and just walk around. I'm like, I'm good with the gym. Like, we're done. Like, no. I know. I'm like, I, first of all, I hate dying to myself. I hate my flesh is hurt. I'm a very fleshly person, sadly. So I'm like, hopefully this dying in the gym will help me to die more in my flesh in different ways. Another thing is I love food. And I know I'm supposed to fast, just like all of us are supposed to, fa uh, supposed to fast as Christians. It doesn't say, like, if you fast. No, it says, like, when you fast. But that word is, like, an ugly word to us sometimes. You're like, ah, oh, don't talk about that right now. Like, it's New Year's. Like, we're about to go eat good food, you know? Like, no, like, we love our flesh. How about this? Something that I struggle with, too. Someone does something to you, you're having a good time, especially when you're having a good time. And someone comes and does something to you to mess up your good time. How fast are you, like, I would destroy you. Like, do not, like, you know, like, don't mess with me. I'm having a good time. It's very rare that I have this good of a time and you're messing it up. Like, I will literally destroy you because I'm having such a good time. Like, how did you go so quickly from good to evil, like, in a flip of a switch? Like, it is hard to love. It is hard to be patient. Whenever someone threatens you with killing something that you have, whether it's your joy or, or your relationship with someone, or this, or that, or a family member, or this, immediately you switch out of fear. That is the grip of death. Let that sink in, because we're going to see how to get out of that, right? So the next one is, sorry, change. The next one's change. I know that for sure, but I don't know if there is a verse. Yes, Proverbs. Go to Proverbs, please. 
18, 1 through 2. I know, I'm sorry, I don't give you guys enough time to go there. I'll just read it, and you guys can look up on the board. So Proverbs 18, 1 through 2, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment and is a fool, takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. So as you are going to enter change, as you want to enter change, right? Because that's we don't want to stay in death. We want to move from there. We want to turn into another person. We want God to change our heart, our mind. We have to be careful to not isolate ourselves, which is very, very common. I think for everyone, when things start happening and you're in the middle of death and you're scared, you isolate yourself. And most people don't isolate themselves with the Bible. You know, they isolate themselves with tasks that will keep them busy, that will help them to not think, that will just keep them going. They're like, hopefully if I keep going, this will just lay itself out. Like, we'll be done. I'll be good. No. It's like getting stabbed with a piece of glass or or metal and be like, oh, my gosh, and you cover it up, and you're like, let me keep going. You're like, it's going to heal itself. Like, no, that's so dumb. What would make you think that that's going to work? It's going to get worse and worse and worse. In a way, you have to embrace, okay, this death, it happened. Things will never be the same again. So I cannot live in what used to be. I have to embrace to live in what is. Right, because if you live in what used to be, you're basically insane. You're living in a a non-reality. It's not real. It's literally insanity. Here's another thing that's insanity. If you have realized that you're hurt and you keep doing the same things you did before and you never healed from your past pain, what makes you think that if you do the same thing over and over and expect different results, what makes you think that you're sane in that moment? You're not. That's literally one of the definitions of insanity, to do the same thing over and over and expect different results. That's foolish. No, as a human, we have to look to things that are not in our wisdom. God is literally asking us to move on to a wisdom higher than our own, to a wisdom that's been given from a God who knows us to our core, who knows our heart. Embrace change. Because it doesn't come from our own strength. It comes from God. With the strength of the Holy Spirit. Or isolate yourself. Try to change from within. Trying to find something good from within, especially when you're in a very dark moment. Because does not God tell us that within us is sin? A sin nature? that there is evil, that the core of each person is evil. And if pushed to its limits, you can commit the same evil deeds that some of the people you hate the most have committed. That's something I struggle with. I want to forgive someone that I hate, but I'm like, I hate them so much that I don't want to forgive them. But I know in my core, if I was put in a similar position and I did not have God, how much better would I be? Actually, I've seen myself without God and seen some of the things that I can do and the destruction that I have caused and the death that I have brought. 
and I realized it's worse probably than the person that I hate. I don't know if that's the same for you guys, but I know that about myself. So when I come to this conclusion, it makes sense why God's like, hey, forgive them. Forgive them so that you may be able to forgive yourself because if you judge them, you'll judge yourself with the same standard. In forgiveness, there is freedom. But forgiveness is not easy, right? It's a battle. I wish I could say I forgave in one day, but it's a constant forgiveness that I have to give every day. Constantly denying my flesh that wants revenge, that wants someone to go down for what they did. Constantly, every single day. Forgive. Why? Because you could have been worse and God forgave you. Forgive. Not because he deserves it. No. Because you didn't deserve God's forgiveness. But forgive. Because that is what opens the door to change. It is in that moment that you will start to embrace change. And you will live in reality. And God will help you live in that reality. Not just that. But God has power over death. It makes me think of of the story of Lazarus, right? When he died, and he was with the disciples, and he was like, hey, I have to go because Lazarus is asleep. And they're like, "Mm, they let him wake up. Like, what do you mean? Why do we have to go? Like, they were confused. And he was like, no, like, we have to go. And they're like, why? He's like, he's dead. And like, oh, then let's go. And while he's going, right, he meets up with Martha and Mary. And what happens? What, what, what do they say to Jesus? How do they approach Jesus? Do they hate Jesus? No, right? They know he's good. They know God's good. But they come to him begging him and crying, and, and almost they lost hope. They're like, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Remember my brother, the one you love, the one I love, you love me. We all love each other. He died. And I sent you this message a long time ago, like, why did you take so long to get here? He's been dead for four days now. But they never turned their backs on Jesus, and I love that. Because it's so easy for us to want to turn our backs on Jesus when death comes, right? Where were you? I called you a long time ago. You let death happen in my life. Why? Don't you love us? I thought you loved my brother. I thought you loved that person. I thought you loved my cousin. Why did you let them go into that hole? Man, God's ways are not our ways. If you want to be God, go ahead and try. (laughs) Good luck. Desire, sin, destruction. That's where you'll end up, honestly. God's ways are higher than our ways, so I cannot begin to try to understand every little thing, but I can know what is known. That God is good. That good must exist in order for life to exist, and that bad only exists because it is a perversion of the good. Therefore, good, by definition, must exist first. So God must be good, and he must be eternal, because if not, we could not exist. If not, bad could not even exist. It all depends on good. So I can't question if God is good. He has to be good. Logically, he has to be good. So it's hard when I come into this moment of death because I'm like, you are good, but this is not a good situation. It's so messed up. And he's like, 
Martha, Mary, don't you guys know like I'm the resurrection? And, and, and they know, and they're like, yeah, yeah, like, we know, like, when the time comes, like, you'll give the resurrection, and my brother, and like, thank you for that word of encouragement. Thank you for throwing scripture at me, you know? And they're like, love you, God. You know, like, walk away kind of hurt. And Jesus is like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Like, I am the resurrection. I have the power over death. But he allowed this death to glorify God. Which sounds so messed up in our head. You allow this death to glorify God? Well, then I think about how many Christians till this day have heard this story that Lazarus died for four days. And he told Martha, I'm the resurrection. She's like, I believe you're the resurrection in the future, not right now, in the moment. How many times do we think that? Oh, God. I know when the time comes, like you you're going to take care of me. Like, I know when heaven comes, I will not feel no pain. But right now, like, kind of letting me down. But it's okay because you're good, you know? <laughs> Am I the only person that does that sometimes? I know all this scripture, and I'm like, yes, God is good. God is faithful. Old things have passed away. Cool. Like, you know, like, I get into this weird moment of where knowing is not understanding. We're knowing the word and even repeating it is not the same as understanding. Because if you understand, you live it. In that moment, he helped them understand. He's like, pull away the rock. They're like, no, he stinks. And then he's like, Lazarus, come out. Which probably gave off two like emotions, I feel like, to some. To those who believe in Jesus, they're like, oh my gosh, like, hallelujah, resurrection. Like, he's back. And Martha's like, that's what you meant by the resurrection. Like, you have the power now, not later now. And there's probably other people who are like, what the heck? This man just rose from the dead. Like, what type of power does this man Jesus have? And they probably had fear. If they didn't know him, they probably had fear. Because that would scare me. If I'm like, man, I'm not really for that guy. And he has that type of power. That's scary. Who is this man? But that moment glorified God. But for those who hated God, what did they try to bring? Death. They literally saw a miracle. And what was their answer, the Pharisees? They weren't embracing change. That moment should have helped them embrace change. No, God is good. But instead, they were like, no, I prefer death. Oh, you resurrected that man? We're going to kill him again. And you're like, it kind of makes you think, like, what? Like, bring him back again. Like, what do you think is going to happen? But they were so stuck in their own ways. They were so deep in death, in fear of losing their, their strength, their power, whatever they hold over God. They were so afraid of losing that, that they chose death over embracing change. I don't know what's holding each of you guys back from stepping into another level of Christianity, to another level of intimacy with God. But I do know this. It starts right there at that moment of change. If it's not by the power of God, and if you're not holding something greater than God, then you will want to change because you know God has something amazing for you. Though Lazarus died and that was a messed up moment, and Jesus himself wept he allowed himself to mourn at the pain of death 
he knew that there was something greater because of it. Now, I don't know what death you guys have in your life, but I'm telling you right now, there is something greater because of it. No, Sebastian doesn't feel like that. It doesn't look like that. I know. Because we're in the moment. But God can see ahead. And maybe one day you'll struggle and you'll be like, I do believe it. And the next day you won't. And that's fine. We have lapses of faith. But know that God is good. And look back in the past, look in history, and see how faithful God has been. Because that will also be your strength for the things to come in the future. And I think that's where we come into the word commitment, right? We think about what are we committed to? What are we truly committed to? What do we give most of our time to? As time goes on, I'm struggling to realize that I am committed to Netflix. (laughs) Netflix is my love. I feel like after a long day and doing stuff that I should go and just watch a couple shows on Netflix. And I end up watching like five or six. And I'm like, that's not that good. But I've been doing it so long that I'm like, yeah, it's whatever. Like, it's cool. And I'm like, how much have I been in the scripture? Like, how committed have I been to God who helps me every day, who's far more important than a fake story on Netflix? And I wish I could come to you as like, I have defeated the power of Netflix. But I'm like, I still struggle with the Netflix. Like, it is hard. It's hard because I love watching Netflix. I love being entertained, but I think I love forgetting what is going on. I love hiding myself. And I look back at when I was 12 years old. I started smoking weed at 12 years old. And I loved smoking weed because it made me forget everything. But it did not heal me. It did not help me. No, it made things so much worse. So much worse. On the outside, I can give you a nice face. I can talk the talk. I can pretend like everything's cool. By myself, in my room, in my own thoughts, I was destroying myself. I was freaking out. I was scared. I was confused. I was hurt. And that hurt turned into anger. And I was an angry man every single day of my life. To the point where I even began to think about suicidal thoughts. It was messed up. Death had a grip on me in so many aspects. But once you're willing to give that up, embrace change, then you have one more thing to do. Commit. This is what change a a regular person from a Christian, our commitments. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect in your commitments. You will mess them up. I think about Hosea and how God was like, you basically play the, the, the part of a prostitute. Like, you're not committed. You're an unfaithful wife, church. You're an unfaithful wife. But I still love you. Come close to me. Know me. I will take care of you. That is what God says to us. I don't care who you think you are in here. Nobody in here is faithful. I'm sorry to tell you. Nobody here is faithful. Our commitments are always broken. 
And that sucks. But should that pull you away to live in death? No, right? Because if you are pulled away by your mistakes, that is condemnation. And as Christians, we do not have condemnation. We do not get pulled away from God because of our mistakes. And if you are, you're making a mistake, a big mistake. Because the only way you will be healed is through God, period. Only God has the power to go into your heart and show you what's wrong and heal it. Nothing else. Now, what I'm not saying is, oh, don't get help, only do God. No. There are times God did not make us by ourselves. Look at us. We are a congregation. We are a body. We are a church. The body does not move by itself. We need each other. Some people have gifts of counseling. Take advantage of that gift because you might need it. God might have gave that person that gift to help you to move forward in your life. But if you think you could do it by yourself, you think you're Batman, you think you're Superman, let me tell you, they're not real. So then you're not real. You can't do it by yourself. It's a lie. A lie from Satan. He's like, hey, you're good. Isolate yourself. Seek your own desires. No healing. Only pain. Only constant suffering. And then if you do love God, but you're isolating yourself, you'll be like, God, why? Why am I not healing? Why am I still here? Why can't I move forward? Why have I not embraced change? You're not committed. You're not committed to the truth. You don't care about the truth. And you're not willing to give up whatever little kingdom that's planted in death. You think that is so much more than God. I say right now, Change your hearts. Embrace change. Be committed to God. And you know what else? As I think about it, God showed me one more thing about all of this, about death, change, commitment. It's a constant cycle in our life. As Christians, we will keep going through deaths, through, commit, uh, through changes, and through commitment. But we need to embrace where we are now and not where we were. Don't hate someone because you're not where you were. Instead, embrace God's love. Embrace his change and live where you are now. Let God's love flow through you now. Move into new life. It is a new year. Nobody's promised tomorrow. I don't care how young you think you are, how much life you think you have. I had a cousin who was 18, and he overdosed on drugs. He hadn't even touched life yet. Nobody's promised tomorrow. But God is good. That's why I love that song. All old things have passed away, but your love has stayed the same. God loves us today as much as yesterday, as much as the day before, and he will love you until the day you die. And because he loves you, he will keep you on this cycle where things in your life will have to die, and you will have to embrace change, and you'll have to stay committed to God. And in your commitments to God, you will see how good God is in your life. Or you will see how disconnected you are from God. Or you might see a mixture of both. Where God's like, you still have to go further, but because of the commitment you have gave, here's a reward. You don't deserve it, but I want to give it to you because I love you. Death, change, commitment. 
Keep this in your hearts as you come into the new year and embrace all of it. Let yourself mourn in the death. But once mourning has taken its place and it's over and it's no longer helping you move forward, then embrace change in the new life that you live. It's not going to be the same, but embrace the newness that God will help you in. And commit yourself to the Lord because there's nothing better. You know what else I think this, honestly, this is my opinion, but I honestly believe that this prepares us for the day that we physically die. Why? Because you're like, I've faced death before. I've been in the presence of death and the power of death in different ways, and you've always been there, and I embraced the change, and I committed, and you were good. So then by the time you reach, if you keep the cycle so much, you will be, you'll understand this cycle so well that I honestly believe, just like there's been many Christians who fully had faith in God, when they died, they were happy. They were content. Because they were like, this is the ultimate death. After this, pure life. No more suffering. I'm sorry that I'm leaving you guys behind, people who I love, but this is a better decision than staying on earth. I don't want to live in death. And this world lives in death, which is why God will not leave us here. So when we pass away, pass away with confidence, knowing that you've gone through this cycle and God's always pulled you out of death when you embrace the change. And in death, you will do that. As you feel that your eyes will close, as you feel that your, your soul might be drifting from you, you will embrace change. And be committed to a new life where you will never struggle again. You will never find suffering. Everything you did on this earth will be shown on that day. We no longer have to be afraid of death. While we're living on this earth and in the moment that we pass away, there is a new life. Just like there is a new year right now, there will be a new day when we're on a new earth and a new heaven with God. Amen? Amen? Okay, let's pray.